Isn't that a beautiful carol? We are, we are looking into uh, different carols over the last couple of weeks. We've been discovering what they mean, and, and so many of these carols are just rich in theology and, and who Jesus is and why he came. And we're looking at this one carol, Emmanuel. And I want us to look at the scripture that that's found in and kind of dig into that this morning. If you've got your Bibles, you can look up the screen. We're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And this is the, the message of the birth of Christ and, and, and the purpose of him coming and this announcement that's that's given to uh, Joseph, that's given to Mary on on what this uh, son of God would do. And so I want to dig into this. And so we see this announcement of the birth of Christ. And so let's look at uh, verse 18 through 25, Matthew chapter 1. Let me, let me read this to you. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came uh, together, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit, Because Joseph, her husband, was a righteous man and did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. And this all took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and they will call him what? Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord had commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But, but he had no union with her. Uh, with her until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Let's just say that together. Let's just say the name of Jesus together. Ready? One, two, three. Jesus. Isn't there something about that name? There's something about that name, Jesus. Lord, I just pray this morning that you would just open up our hearts, that we would not just know about this person, Jesus, but that we would actually know him. And And God, that's what you want us to do this morning. You want us to know Jesus in a personal way. So speak to every heart here today, God. We thank you for your word. And we just love you and we thank you. And we ask these things in Jesus' wonderful name. And all God's children said, how many of you have a favorite Christmas movie? You you, you definitely have your favorite Christmas movie. There's a lot of good ones out there, isn't there? um, I've got one of my favorites movies, which I didn't see until later uh, in life, which is a classic, is the movie. And in fact, it was, I think it was on yesterday. It's on quite a bit during the Christmas season. And that's the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. How many of you have seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? How many have never seen the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? Just be honest. Anybody? Now? Oh, okay. Let's pray for these. In the name of Jesus, see this. No, I'm just teasing. Um, it, 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 let, let me just, I, this movie, um, in fact, because I'm not putting down those that haven't seen it because it was later in life till I saw it. I was in college and I had a friend of mine in school. And he said, Barton, have you seen the, the Christmas movie? It's a Wonderful Life. And I'm like, no. He's like, what? It's like 
I committed a, a sin or something by not seeing this movie. And so I, I went home that, uh, that Christmas break. I can't remember what year it was in school. But I went home and I watched it and it was just so good. I mean, it was just a good movie. So what I liked about this movie is you got this guy, uh, Jimmy Stewart, who plays uh, this good-hearted guy named George Bailey. Donna Reed plays his wife. Y- y- you don't get any better than that right there, right? Donna Reed, right? I mean, you just... You you know, you just don't Jimmy Stewart. I mean, this is good. That's that's good stuff right there. That's that's what all good movies are made of right there. Um, and so you've got this you've got this um, Jimmy Stewart who plays George Bailey. And um, George Bailey is just a good guy. Had a lot of tough breaks in life when he was younger. They showed the movie that. Um, he fell through the ice sledding and he lost hearing in one ear and his, his, his brother had to save him out of the ice. And kind of George grew up in this small town called Bedford Falls, which actually is taken from Seneca Falls. Some of you may not have known that, but yeah, Bedford Falls is actually uh, taken from Seneca Falls right, right here, not too far away from us here. And George has this brother, and his brother is just successful. His brother is a good athlete. His brother is a wartime hero. And George is the guy who kind of stays home, and, and he has these visions of doing great things and, and getting out of the small town of Bedford Falls. And his brother gets out. His brother's successful. His brother does all, all the stuff. His brother's a great guy. And then his dad owns the saving and loans business that's always struggling. And it's not really making a lot of money. And, and George kind of stays there to kind of help his dad. And he kind of puts all his, his, his dreams aside um, to help his dad. And then as you get towards the story and into it a little bit, his uncle uh, misplaces $8,000, which is going to tank the business. And George said, my life isn't going anywhere. What's going to happen? So he walks up on this bridge, and he's going to jump off this bridge into the icy waters of Bedford Falls. And so he's thinking about it, and it's snowing out. And so what happens is he's looking over, thinking about his life. Somebody else jumps into the water to actually save George Bailey. And so as this guy jumps in, George jumps in to save him. And what George doesn't know, that he's actually saving Clarence the angel. And so this angel actually goes there to, to, to save George Bailey. And so when they bring him out, George is like, who are you? And he thinks the guy is nuts and blah, 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 blah. And so he says, I'm, I'm here to save you. And so what he does is he shows George's life if he had never been born and shows what Bedford Falls would be like if he was never born. And he shows him how the city got turned over to Mr. Potter, the mean, evil man who tries to run the whole town. And it turns basically into, you know, the Las Vegas of the East and it's Sin City. And he shows him all this stuff. And he just basically shows George that his life actually made a difference, even though he never thought it did. And see, the point of the movie, I'm not going to, you got to watch those of you that, the, the, the three of you in here that have not seen the movie, I won't give it away to the end. You got to watch the whole thing, but it's, it's really, it's, it's really, really good. I love, I love the ending, but here's, here's the point of the movie. The point of the movie is how our lives can make a difference in others. The point of the movie is that George's life actually made a difference. And, and, and the parallel I want you to see with It's a Wonderful Life and actually Jesus coming to earth 
is that in the same way, Jesus gives up everything. He, he, he was in heaven in this perfect place in fellowship with his heavenly father. And he gives up everything to come to earth, which is messy, which is not perfect. It's hurting because of what sin has done. And so we get this glimpse of Jesus coming. He's leaving the perfection of heaven heaven to come into the messiness of earth to show us the way back home. And so Jesus coming to earth changes everything. Because if he, if he didn't come, we would really be hopeless. It would be Pottersville instead of Bedford Falls, right? We, we, we see what Jesus does. And and what makes this carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, so special, it's because it it speaks of God coming right to where we are. It speaks of a God coming into our midst as a baby and coming right into our midst to speak to us to right where where we are to to save us and and, and to say, Jesus telling us, listen, I'm, I'm here to change your life. I'm here to save you from from the tyranny of sin and how it holds us captive. And so what I wanted to do is, I, I love this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, because I, I like the name of Jesus that it's given Emmanuel. And I, I want to dig into what that name Emmanuel means, because I believe if you can grasp onto the meaning of that, it will change everything for you. And what's interesting about this song, let me give you a little history of this carol, is written between the 8th and 12th century. So it's, it's, it's very, very, very old. And it was actually written in the part of church history where many songs that were sung in churches were actually chanted. So when you hear, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it was actually chanted in, in, in a type of Gregorian chant. And so, and so it's very interesting in this, this part of church history. And what's interesting about this song is I've always wondered about the O Come, O Come. What does the O mean in O Come, O Come, Emmanuel? Because I, I think about these things. I don't know if it's ever crossed your mind, but I'm just weird like that. Like, what does the O mean? Like, why are we saying O Come, O Come? What does that mean? And so here's the interesting thing about this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And here's the meaning behind it. During the Middle Ages, part of their worship services included this responsive singing by a choir or the congregation. And the singing would be in response to maybe a psalm or maybe another scripture that was read. And many times in this Gregorian chant. So, hallelujah. Right? Something like, right? And this, that was pretty good, by the way, okay? Admit it. That was good. Um, thank you. See, I can sing. No. Um, and so what, what these are called, what these chants or these songs were actually called were antiphons. This is what they're called. They're called an antiphon. And so the carol, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, came from this. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel is actually called an O antiphon for this reason. 
It was actually sung during the season of Advent when people were preparing themselves for the celebration of the birth of Christ. And what they would do is they would sing these O antiphons seven days in preparation up to Christmas. And these were actually sometimes called magnificent antiphons because they spoke of who Jesus was. These were special songs. These were songs that talked about the character of Jesus, who he was and why he came. And so this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, is one of these O antiphons, very, very special song that was sung in preparation for Christmas Day. And Emmanuel is one of the titles of Christ. So if you look at the verses of the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, each verse of the carol parallels one of these antiphons, one of the characteristics of Christ. So the carol starts by saying, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, one of the characters of Christ. If you look at the second verse of that song, it says, O Come, O Come, Thou Rod of Jesse, another characteristic of Jesus, that he was in the line of the Davidic royal priesthood. So there's another character. The third line says, O come desired of nations, that Jesus would be the one that would come to save the world, to save the nations. So these are referred to O antiphons because the title of each one begins with the interjection of O. And each of these O antiphons is the name of Christ, one of his attributes that are mentioned in scripture. And Emmanuel is one of those attributes or one of those titles that is given to Jesus, that is given to Christ. And so I want to focus on Emmanuel. I want to focus on what this actually means for you and I today and why this is so special for you and I today. And I want you to see this, that the reason that Christ is Emmanuel is because he is literally God with us. That, that's literally what the word means. That's what, that's what the word Emmanuel means. It literally means God with us. So when this message is spoken to Joseph, Joseph is given, here's the reason why God, God himself, Jesus is just not another person. This is special. This is birth through the Holy Spirit. This is God, fully God, fully man, coming to earth to live amongst us. And so Christ is Emmanuel, which means God with us. How many of you have ever prayed this? God be with me. You ever prayed that before? Some of those desperation prayers where you're just like, God, just, just be with us. Or you pray that going on a trip or, or, or when your kids are killing each other, you're like, God be with me, right? Just help me. And, uh, and, and, and that's what it means. God, just be with me. I need you. I need, I need your presence in me. Or, or, or maybe you're taking your finals. Maybe you're a student. You're taking your finals. You're like, God, be with me. My, my son Colby's going to the U of R, and he's in the middle of finals. And he had a calc final the other day. And I'm like, Colby, how do you study for a calculus final? He goes, you keep going over the problems over and over and over again. So I go, well, let me look at it, because I can help you here. <laughs> right, I'll help you with the calc. Come on, bring it over. Hey, I got an 85 on my Regents final in algebra in ninth grade. I literally looked at it. It made absolute, it like literally just looked like chicken scratching to me. I'm like, how do you comprehend any of this stuff? It just blows my mind. But 
He seems to get it. I don't know why. I don't know where he got it from. I think he's definitely not our kids. We're going to do a DNA check on him because he is not from Kathleen or I because we don't have the math skills. Or, or I remember as a student, when I went to Bible college, our professors would be so, when they would pray before the exam, they would pray this way. God, help the students to bring to remembrance the things they studied. I hated that prayer. Here's the reason why. I'm like, no, God, bring to remembrance the things I didn't study, right? That, that's the prayer, right? That's a cop-out prayer, right? So we, we've all been there. We've all said, God, be with us. Be with us in this situation. We, we, we know that. We want God to come into our situation. So what does it mean that, that God is, is with us? Well, the name of Jesus gives us the answer. Because when God spoke to Joseph through an angel in a dream, he told him to take Mary's wife, and he told him to give him the name Jesus. Now, what the word in the name Jesus literally means, in the Hebrew language, it means Yeshua or Joshua. And in the English spelling from the Greek, it's the word Jesus, Yahshua or Joshua. And the the word literally means savior or deliverer. So I, I want you to give him the name Jesus because by giving him this name, this is what he is going to do. This is a special name. This is the purpose for why he's coming. This is why God is coming. So he's, he's, he's going to be the savior. He's going to be the deliverer. So Jesus coming to earth was a fulfillment that we read in Matthew of a prophecy that was prophesied through the prophet Isaiah 700 years earlier. And here's what Isaiah 714 says. This is what I love about the prophecy. Over 300 different prophecies of Jesus in the Old Testament. It's just amazing. But here's, here's one of the prophecies, and look at how specific this prophecy is. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says this. It says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Here's the sign. You're not going to look for anybody else. So if you're doubting who is the Messiah, here's your sign. Are you ready? You can't get more specific than this. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. There's the sign. And so without a shadow of a doubt... The angel was reminding Joseph, listen, here's what the scriptures say. So that if you begin to doubt in your mind, is this true? Did this birth come by some other way? I want to remind you, this is a fulfillment, a direct fulfillment of prophecy. So I don't want you to doubt this. I want you to stand on the word of God and let that be your guide. And so it happened just as it was. So people, if you're doubting that whether Jesus is who he says he is, you can trust it. He's the fulfillment of prophecy. And everything that was said about this coming Messiah came true in the person of Jesus Christ. And so Emmanuel is one of these many titles that is given to Jesus. And so what does it mean that Jesus is God or that Jesus actually dwelt among us? What this literally means is that Jesus is God in the flesh. He took on human form, fully God and fully man. It literally means that God is in the flesh. God literally made his dwelling among us. Isn't that amazing that God himself 
said, I'm not going to be a far away God that's going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to be this God where you've got to go through all this stuff to try to reach me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to come down and I'm going to reach you right where you are at. Amazing. And so it's God in the flesh. It literally means that God made his dwelling among us. Where we can see this is in John 1, 14, where it says this, the word became flesh. Speaking of Christ, the word is everything that would be expressed through God, through his son. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Logos is the word there in the Greek for word. The the logos became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of what? Grace and truth made his dwelling among us. The word dwelt there is a very interesting word because it literally means that, that God, he pitched his tent among us. Set it right up. To live right with us. And this is an illustration of God dwelling with the Israelites in the tabernacle, which literally means tent because they can, they could set it up and break it down. And when God told them to move in the wilderness in the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, they had this tent where God's glory would reside. And this tent was where his dwelling was. And it sat right in the middle of the camp of the Israelites. And so when they would look to the center of that camp, that's where God's dwelling was. That's where the temple was. That's where the tabernacle was. That's where God's presence was. That's where the sacrifices were were, were done. That's where they would meet the presence of God. That's where they would come to worship him. But God says, listen, what I'm going to do now, I'm going to dwell right in the midst of you. And here's what he says, not necessarily in a tent or a temple, or a tabernacle. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to send my Holy Spirit to dwell within you. And now your bodies become the temple of the Holy Spirit. So as nice as this building is, what makes this building special is God's people who come to worship him in it. We are the, the church. Is, I mean, we, we always say, well, I'm going to church. But we really, we're not going to church. We are the church, Right? We are God's special people. And so what the word of God says, God says, when you come to Christ, I'm going to let my Holy Spirit dwell within you. And now your bodies become this temple of the Holy Spirit. And so what God does is he dwells within us. God chooses to come and live in the midst of us. And so God sends this message to Mary before the birth of Christ through the angel Gabriel. And it's interesting here because in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 28, we get a little more insight to God dwelling with us in the announcement that he gives to Mary. Let me read it for you. It said, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to the virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King, uh, of King David, which, would, which is a fulfillment of Scripture that, that the Messiah would come through that line. Verse 20, it says, Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. What did he say to her? He said, the Lord is what? The Lord is with you. Emmanuel is with us. God is with us. So how do we make God Emmanuel in our life? How is he Emmanuel in our life? We've got to make it personal. This is what changes your life. I had knowledge of this 
does not change your heart. And God says, I've got to dwell right in the midst of your life. So how does he dwell? Let me just give you three quick things here on how we make Emmanuel part of our life. First of all, we have to understand that God is with us in our past. Emmanuel is with us in our past. You see, God was faithful to bring the Savior to us. God was faithful to fulfill all the prophecies about Jesus. God reminded Mary, listen, I am with you. Now, I think back, there are many times I'll think back over my life and think of all the times that God was actually with me. Have you ever done that where you just think back and say, man, boy, the Lord was with us there and God was with us there. And, 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 and God reminds you of his faithfulness of the past so that he can lead you in the future. I remember the times that, that Kathleen and I, when we were first married, how, how God provided for us. I remember at the first church we were at and I was a youth pastor and and, um, you know, it's just, we're just trying to make it by. And it, God was doing some amazing things. I remember this one lady, her name was, it was an Italian lady, Sister Perry. And, and uh, her husband wasn't Italian, but she was Italian. She was all Italian. She was just a beautiful lady. And she would, she would always come up to me, past, she had a like, heavy Italian accent, pasta, pasta. And I go, yeah, Sister Perry, how you doing? And she would always give me a handshake once a month, same Sunday once a month, faithfully, she'd give me this handshake. And in the handshake, she would fold up a $20 bill in a perfect square and shake my hand and, and put $20 in my hand. Every, every month, faithfully, she would always do it. And finally, I knew Sister Perry. Her husband died. She didn't have a lot. And I said, Sister Perry, don't, you don't have to, you know, don't. She, said, no. she, she looked at me. She would scold me. She'd get her finger in my face and say, Pastor. And you'd do like, whoa, Okay. Sorry. And she said, Pastor, don't rob God's blessing from me. I said, okay, Sister Perry, I won't, I won't do that. You know, and she was just, and she would always be, before the service, she'd always be up front praying for the service. She just had a heart of prayer, and um, she was, she was <laughs> I loved her. She would call me in the middle of the night, and her pipes would rattle. And she'd say, Pastor Barr, and I said, Sister Perry, what's going on? Are you okay? She said, yeah, yeah. She goes, there are demons in my pipes. I'm like, oh, gosh, Sister Perry, there are not demons in your, it's just rattling, there's air in there. You know, I try, no, 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 no. So then I'd pray. I said, Lord, we rebuke the demons in Sister Perry's pipes and just let, and then she'd call me the next week, Pastor, it worked. It stopped rattling. I'm like, oh, gosh, help, oh, Lord, help us here. Just love Jesus. She did. She <laughs> We need to straighten out a little theology, but she loved Jesus with, with all her heart. Faithful to the Lord. I remember, um, you know, when Kathleen and I were first married, she had this, uh, she, we were always fixing her car because she had this old, like, 1986 Ford Escort. And I can remember, like, man, we can't take it to a mechanic. We're going to have to fix it. I remember her, 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 um, her whole gas tank rusted out. It was just rusted. So we went to the junkyard, we bought one, and I said, I have no idea how to do this. So somebody in the church said, Pastor, I will help you. So we're in the driveway uh, putting in this gas tank. And I put a gas tank in and a 1986 Ford Escort. I did. Don't ever ask me to do it again, but I did it. And uh, I put in uh, brakes and what else? I did? I did a lot in that car with people obviously helping me. So the way I helped is I would stand back and look at them saying, you're doing a wonderful job. Keep going, keep going. But they would help. And you just think the way God provided. I can remember this is actually, this week is our 17th anniversary of coming to Living Word in 1999. And I can remember when we came here. It was like, it was amazing just what God has done when we first came and we're in a different building. And since then we're able to build and, 
you know, faithfully, there's 120 people here that just faithfully believed that God was going to do something great in, in this community. And God has been faithful. And if you look back over your life, God has been faithful. He's faithful to live. And so God is Emmanuel. He's Emmanuel in, in, in our past. One of my favorite Bible verses is found in Deuteronomy 31.6 where it says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or terrified because of them. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you or forsake you. And I believe that, that, that Mary needed to hear that. The faithfulness of God. And this is what they said. Listen, Joseph, this, this, God is with you in the past. This has been prophesied about. This, this is coming to fruition right now before your very eyes. So he was Emmanuel in the past. He is faithful, and now he's fulfilling this very prophecy right before you. The second thing that, that I believe we need to make Emmanuel in our life is we need to realize that he's, he's not only Emmanuel in the past, but he's also Emmanuel in the present. God is with us right here, right now. Mary would have to cling to this very idea that God was with her as her and Joseph had to travel probably something between 80 and 100, 110, 120 miles to get to Bethlehem. They would have to believe that God was with them when they had to go to, to Egypt to keep Jesus safe when there was the killing of all the, uh, of all the young boys in Bethlehem. And, and, and I want you to realize that God is with you as you walk through your trial. He's walking with you. And I want you to realize that our God is literally a present God. Psalms 119.105 says this. It says, your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my what? Path. God is faithful. I, you know, sometimes I, um, I jog early, really early in the morning, not so much in the, in the winter. People that jog in the winter, I'm like, you're crazy. But anyways, um, if it's not real cold out, but sometimes I jog uh, in the winter and all I have, I have this little LED headlamp. You know, I look like a miner, like a, you know, like I'm digging for gold or something. And, um, and what I do is if, if it's real dark in some of the areas that I jog, I can't see. The only thing I can see is I'll hold it in my hand and I'll have enough to see each step. That's all it is. So if I fall over, I know there's no cliffs where I live, so I'm usually pretty good. And it, but it's literally enough. And actually, that's really what that verse means. That it's not a light to your path so you can see way far away. Actually, it says, my word is a light to guide each step that you make. That I am present with you on every step that you make. I am present. And so it's just enough light to take the next step. And I know you, you, Mary and Joseph had to trust that as they made this long journey to go to Bethlehem. They had to trust God every single step. But I want you to realize that each step that you take with Christ, he is there with you. You, you may not feel it at times. You may feel like, God, where are you? But God says, I will never leave you or forsake me. And when you're going through those times, I want you to realize, look back at how faithful God was in your past. That God is going to be faithful in your present circumstances. But you got to keep taking those steps forward. And you got to keep believing, God, I know you're going to believe me, even though I don't see it, even though I don't see three, four steps in front of me, I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm going to take a next step because I know that you're with me. God with us. That's what it means. God says, I want to be present. Let me come right into your stuff. 
And let me show you my faithfulness. God delights in showing you his faithfulness. He says, don't be dismayed. Don't be discouraged. I am with you. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that he's with you today? If you believe that, I believe that we'll realize that, God, you're with me in my past. You're with me in my present. But here's where the hope comes. I know you're going to be with me in the future. So he's Emmanuel of the past. He's Emmanuel of the presence. And he's Emmanuel of the future. He is God. God is with us in the future. Here's a wonderful verse that hopefully will just speak to your hearts today. Paul says this in Romans 8, 37, 39. He says, No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a wonderful promise of God? I will be with you. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. And I know for some of you here today, um, you know, Christmas time maybe brings up a lot of hard memories. It's sometimes not. Sometimes it's, it's a very lonely time for, for many people. And I want to just encourage you today that God is with you. He's with you in your past, present. He's with you in your future. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to forsake you. God is Emmanuel. He wants to come right into our situation to encourage us. That's what I love about the story of Mary. That's what I love about the story of Joseph. God was comforting them before the event ever happened. And, and, And did the event of the birth of Christ come easy to them? They had to truly traverse. They had to, they had to truly sacrifice to get to that place. To where he, and then even after his birth, was it easy for them? No. Then there was this decree and all the firstborn male babies were going to be killed. They had to go to Egypt. It was not easy for them. What kept them going? What keeps you going? Emmanuel, God is with us. That's what keeps you going? They here, listen, listen. This is why they could keep going because they understood the purpose of the promise of this child that they were to deliver. And what keeps you going when you when you lose focus of your purpose and why God has placed you and why God has saved you, that's where your vision gets blurry. That's where we get confused. But God says, I want you to see there is a future and there is a hope for those that trust me. And here's what, here's, what, here's what Jesus says to his disciples when their hearts became troubled. And his disciples are like, well, where are you going, Jesus? What's happening? Jesus says, listen, listen, listen. John 14, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For, for what? My father's house, there are many rooms. And if it were not, so I would have told you. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And you know the way to the place where I'm going. So Thomas said to him, one of his disciples, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? And Jesus answered him, listen, listen, Thomas, Thomas, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Trust me. And so the reason why Jesus didn't fret 
the reason why Jesus didn't get worried and the reason why Jesus passes this on to his disciples is he says this, I've got it all under control. I know what my, I know what my father's plan is. I know what my purpose is here. Not that that makes life easy or less difficult at times, but what it does do, it gives us hope to traverse through the difficult times in life, knowing that Emmanuel is with us. And I don't know where some of you are here today, but listen, Christmas and the glitz of it and all the hype and everything else is going to be long gone. And guess what? January is going to come. There's going to be three feet of snow out there, right? It's going to be depressing, right? It's all going to be gone. All the presents are going to be open. It's all going to be gone. And everybody goes into the post-holiday blue, right? Everybody knows that. Listen, listen. The reason why that happens is our purpose isn't in something that's secure or stable or real. Jesus says, listen, I'm going to be with you no matter what. I'm with you. I'm in it for the long haul. I've given everything for you. So trust me. And so for those of you here today that are just lacking trust, I want to pray for you today. Allow Emmanuel to come into your life. Allow him to come into your situation. And if you feel a sense of hopelessness or a sense of discontentment, or disconnection in your life. Listen, come to Emmanuel. He's the one that will bring purpose. He's the one that forgives us of our sins. He's the one that gives us a new joy and a new purpose and a new happiness for living in this world. So no matter what we may face in this world, we know that God is with us. He was with us in our past. He's going to be with us right now. And ultimately, we know we're going to be with him in the future. That's a pretty good deal. And so may that give you hope in your present circumstances right now. Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us. So I want to pray. If you, I want you to bow your heads with me just for a moment as we close in prayer today. Let me just ask you a question, Nate. Those of you that as you just have your heads bowed today and eyes closed. How many of you just be honest today and say, Pastor, I need Emmanuel to come into my life. I, I need him to come into my situation. And um, I need that hope in my heart and my life. I, I want it to be real. I, I, don't, I don't want to just play church. I, I really want it to be real. I, I want Jesus to be real in my life and my circumstances. And I need that in my life right now. And I need to just put my... I trust in that and, and would you just pray for me how many by the raised hands would say pastor just pray for me that's me today amen good amen good 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 listen he he sees your heart he knows what you're going through put your trust in Emmanuel today Lord Jesus we bow our hearts before you today this is a very sacred moment Jesus, you came because you loved us. You didn't want to leave us as orphans. And so, God, the best thing you could ever do for, for us is come and be part of us and literally dwell among us to show us the way back home. We understand that our sin has separated us from you, that it's ripped us apart from our fellowship with you. And so what you did for us, we could never do for ourselves. It's by sending your son to reestablish that relationship with you. 
to give us a new sense and a new hope and a new purpose. And I pray that for every single person in here that they would realize that God, you've been with them in their past, speaking to them, drawing them. That you're with them right now, even though it may be difficult. And that you're going to be faithful to be with us in the future. So we thank you for that. So just bring your hope today, I pray, to every heart as we just trust you and we thank you. And we just want to be careful to ask all these things in Jesus' wonderful name. In Jesus' wonderful name.